This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by You On Fire. You On Fire is the amazing 12-week online group coaching program that I run where we build up your worth from the ground up so that it's no longer hinging on the way that you look. It's got personalized coaching from me and incredible community support plus lifetime access. Get details on what's included in this program and sign up to be notified when doors open for the next cycle by going to summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I would love to have you in that program and in that group. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 137, and this is another installment of Classic Rebel Radio, where we revisit an episode from the past while I am on maternity leave. Today, we are revisiting the interview I did with Carrie Ann Livingstone about radical acceptance and how to become the truest version of yourself, which originally aired July 31st, 2015. And I'll be answering a listener question on how to feel feelings. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 137. In case you haven't heard, I'm on maternity leave until spring 2019. So the episodes you are hearing right now originally aired in the first two seasons of the podcast. There are some of your favorites, and I hope that you enjoy re-listening to them or hearing them for the first time. Before we begin, I just want to give a shout out to Schmobot, who left this great review. I've been following Summer's work for a while now, and with each new podcast, post, or tweet comes insightful, empowering information. She's funny, she's smart, and she's got a whole team of equally talented guests for us to learn from. I always feel inspired by the content on Fearless Rebel Radio. Good stuff. Thank you so much. If you haven't already done so, please leave a review by heading to iTunes, searching for Fearless Rebel Radio, then click ratings and reviews and click to leave a review or give it a rating. And definitely subscribe to the show via iTunes or whatever platform you use. And don't forget to grab the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. Today, I am answering a listener question about feeling feelings. This person wrote, I think it would be useful if you could provide some techniques to feel negative or problematic emotions. This would be really helpful for me and for those listeners who whose real feelings are disguised as negative body feelings. Okay, such a great question. And, you know, I do this is really individual. It's hard for me to kind of give a script or a step by step way of feeling feelings because in the work that I do with clients, I've noticed that it can be quite individual. And so I'm going to give a framework and know that, okay, this may not work for you and you may need some individual support around it. But I have some, I definitely have some thoughts and perspectives on it. And the reason why I I paired this question with Carrie Ann's episode is because she is the queen at this stuff. And she talks, she talks about it in this episode too. So, you know, we have this belief. And so first the question was really use the word negative or problematic emotions. And that's where I see a red flag right away. You know, we have this belief that certain feelings are bad and therefore we need to fix them or we need to avoid them. 
So we have to do whatever we can do to get on the other side and make them go away. And so much like there are no bad foods, quote unquote, there are no bad feelings. Feelings are neutral. They are simply energies running that run through our body. And the story that we really attach to it is what makes them feel good or bad. So accepting whatever we are feeling and experiencing a full spectrum of emotions is really a big piece of fully expressing who we are, understanding who we are, and being who we are, and being in touch with our body. And so the first thing I just want to say here is feelings are just neutral. So we don't need to avoid or fix problematic or quote unquote bad feelings. They are just there. They don't, you know, they're just in existence and we can be curious with them but let's not label them as something to be avoided or bad. And so that brings me to to my next point, which is to be curious. Anytime you're feeling something, just be curious. What am I feeling emotionally right now? And this is in your body too, because when we use the word fat in a negative way, like to describe our emotions, or we use words like gross, or we use words like big, like I feel so big, you know, not none of those things are not emotions. So take those out of your vocabulary. That's another sidebar to this. And just check in, be curious, what am I actually feeling in a non judgmental way, sadness, fear, loneliness, or you can be curious with the more like, quote, unquote, positive feelings too, like contentment or gratitude or love, and try to identify an actual emotion. You don't need to know why it's there. Again, that's your problem solver brain that we don't need. Just acknowledge the feeling that you're having. And so that's, you know, the the crux of starting to get into our feelings is just acknowledging what feeling we're having. And maybe we can't put a label on it specifically, but maybe it's just like, oh, or I don't know, just blah, you know, that's okay. (laughs) It's okay to express it that way. And then, you know, what the next thing I like to do is to take it out of our head and bring it into our body. So I'll ask clients to, to, you know, turn off their brain and just notice where are you feeling this in your body? So maybe if they're feeling anger, they notice that it's really in their chest and it feels like this just fire burning in their chest. Maybe if it's sadness, they're feeling it in their throat or, you know, they're feeling a knot in their stomach. And so if you can turn the thoughts off in your brain and and go to where you're feeling it in your body and just bring your attention there, you know, just bring your attention there for a few seconds to just notice that sensation and allow yourself to feel it and sit with it, to not push it away or distract yourself. Just be with kind of like that visceral feeling of the emotion. And you can ask yourself, like, what does it make you want to do? Does it make you want to cry? Does it make you want to scream? Does it make you want to punch a pillow? Does it make you want to like stretch your arms out because you're feeling really joyful? You know, so again, you're using this for for the full spectrum of emotions, not just the like negative ones. And notice, you know, what is wanting to be expressed. And then lastly, once you've kind of sat with that, you can ask yourself, okay, what am I feeling right now? You know, what's what is what's here now? And maybe it's shifted, maybe it's the same, and you can journal about it or speak about it. Talk talking to someone is always great to express it in an in a different way or in in a way that just feels like that's what's true that right now. And so I that seems so ambiguous when I'm speaking about this, but that is really, you know, that's kind of like a basic structure that I'll use with clients and and it's completely then like okay we're gonna like adapt this based on what's actually happening in the moment when we do it together here but I think the core is like 
be curious with it. Try to identify actual emotions. Try to notice the feeling in your body instead of the story in your head. Ask yourself, like, what does it make you want to do? What do you want to express? Uh, use self-expression like journaling or talking to, 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 you know, just to process it. And that can be really therapeutic. And Carrie Ann is amazing at helping people express themselves with this and their emotions. And she talks about it in this episode as well. And so I hope you enjoy it. Let's get started with that. Hey, everyone. I am really pumped about my guest today. I had the pleasure of working with her uh, briefly when I first moved out here to Vancouver. And she is someone who just inspires me every time I speak to her. So I just I'm so excited to have her here today. Today, I have Carrie Ann Livingston. Oh, wait, wait, is it Livingstone or Livingston? You know what? Honestly, I say it both. I, I dabble. My husband says Livingstone, so out of respect, sometimes I'll throw it out there. But I don't. It's whatever you want. <laughs> All right. Okay, Livingstone. So after an epic journey of unsolicited change just three short years ago, Carrie Ann transformed her unconscious, disconnected, and corporate lifestyle in every way by pursuing one unconventional concept, daring to suck. By daring to tuning in and speak up for her desires in the face of adversity, she reconnected to her heart, put both hands back on the wheel, and continues to demonstra demonstrate the aliveness and impact of living a more authentic life. She serves the world today as a certified professional coach, impassioned speaker, and edutainer, facilitating and inspiring reconnection, deep healing, self-acceptance, and liberation for those seeking freedom and full expression in their life and work. Daring to suck .ca or carrieannlivingstone.com <laughs> is where you can find her, which I'll be linking to in the show notes. But welcome to the show. Thank you. This is, I think this is my first podcast. Yay. And I'm not editing out that like fumble with your last name. I'm going to leave that in there. <laughs> Excellent. Because we're authentic. You bet we are. We let anybody see our underpants. Everybody, wear, well, maybe not everybody. My soiled wears underpants. underpants. <laughs> <laughs> so before, before we get started, I see where this whole thing is going to go. Before we get started, um, why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and where you got to where you are, how you got to where you are today? Oh, gosh. Um, okay. Okay, so how do I describe this today? Um, basically, it's like I got to make a long story short. I spent a lot of my 20s um, pursuing something that I thought was, was what I was supposed to do or what I had to do, which was maybe, um, you know, be in the corporate world and get the money and have the office and have this important sort of status. And I got, I, I did that. I did all that. And... And it wasn't really satisfying because I was doing work that was not, it just didn't reflect who I was. You hear this story all over the place, right? Yes, my story. Exactly. Right. You hear this. And there's so many people waking up, which is so great. Uh, so essentially three years ago, um, well, actually it was more than three years ago. What happened was I was, I wasn't paying attention to the signs. So the signs were just my gut telling me, you don't like this work. You're good at it, but it's soul sucking and and you're just not enjoying it. So um, I, I chose to ignore it. And when it comes to making change in our life, I am aware of, of three ways of it happening. 
One is you take a leap. You hear this all the time. Take the leap, you know, jump into the unknown. So that's one way. The other way is to dabble. You know, some people have a full-time job and then they dabble on the side, a little project here. Maybe they do some part-time volunteering, whatever it is. And then the third way is the way I made change, which is I didn't do anything and I got pushed. <laughs> I got absolutely I didn't take the leap. I was looking and I was like, ah, but I don't know. And I have no idea who I am. I don't know what I want. And, I, and so the push that happened was, was actually an incredible moment in my life, which was a devastating miscarriage, which is like very deep and heavy in this moment. But, it, mm. but it's, it pushed me over the edge because no one describes what that process is like. It's such a mystery. Pregnancy is such a mystery. And and I was thrust into motherhood. And, and the reason it, it hit me so hard was because when I found out that I was pregnant, I actually went into shock. And I'm actually a very nurturing person, a joyful person. And I was absolutely shocked at my reaction because I was sitting in a cold bath with the little test beside me on the ledge, kind of rocking back and forth. Um, and my husband was like, what? he was joy. He was like crying. He was so, oh my God, this is so great. And I was having a total out-of-body experience. And I think part of me felt like, oh shit. Like I had a chance to make a change and actually change things before this happened. And now I'm going to be a mom on top of this mess that I don't even know who I am already. And I think on some subconscious level, I probably felt like, that ship had sailed and it was really like, I just, that was it. And I had to kind of settle in or I'd, it was very, un, I was very unclear in the moment, but looking back, I'm like, wow, you know, I think that might've been what was going on. Yeah. And then I started to get into the pregnancy. Like it was like my husband and the midwife were like, come on, wade into the water. It's going to be fine. And da, 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 da. And I was so fearful. I was so viscerally fearful. And then it was like the moment I embraced it and finally was like, I'm coming to terms with this. We announced it to all of our friends. And the next day I woke up and it, it was over, you know, it started to end. And, oh. and so, and yeah, there's a lot of mystery around that anyway. So it sort of kicked me off the ledge and I essentially hit every branch on the way down. Mm -hmm. So it started five years of incredible change that I didn't ask for. So this is that push. Um, so I lost our first baby, which was like three months of recovery. It was, uh, things didn't go as smoothly as they could have. And then the ironic part was when we found out I was pregnant for the second time, I was able to, it was like because of the loss and everything that I had processed and almost everything that had been stripped away from me, I was, I was so joyful. So, um, so it was almost like if that loss hadn't happened, I would never would have experienced the joy that a, every woman should, um, experience when they have that news, you know? So, um, we were just over the moon. I was jumping around and it was just, it was exactly how it, I think it should be, you know, cause it's an amazing thing. And, and then the next day I lost my job and I lost six figures uh, of our money. Wow. Oh, so, so, 
So it was like this incredible, like, so what was interesting was everything inside me was growing and expanding and everything outside of me was shattering and going away. And I was the sole breadwinner and we didn't know what we were going to do. And I was in purgatory because I couldn't get a job because I was pregnant and the company was gone into bankruptcy. So I was now like a creditor and I wasn't going to get anything (laughs) from them. And yeah, it was just like these on your knees moments of no, really, how are we going to do this? We have a kid coming, we have a mortgage, we have all these things. And so constantly being thrashed around and that happened again. You know, I, I went, I embraced motherhood, which is joyful. So it wasn't all bad things. It wasn't all traumatic, but it certainly was dramatic, right? It was, uh, um, and then, so I ended up having, becoming a mother, which was joyful. And then I found a dream job, joyful. And then the same damn thing happened. The company dissolved. I lost my job first. And then I found out I was pregnant the next day. Oh my goodness. Like the universe is quite hilarious. Like when you can... Not at the moment, but afterwards you go, man, you know, here I thought life was happening to me and I really felt victimized at times and just really like, really? Come on. Um, But the second time I thought, okay, fine. If this is how you're going to play it, I'll use this time differently. So in the time that I was pregnant um, and waiting for my maternity leave to kick in and trying to figure out this dance of benefits to keep us going, I decided to dig a bit deeper you know, so if the first pregnancy, I was to explore pregnancy and just embrace motherhood, which felt like such a gift at that point. That's what I used the first one for. I was like, okay, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to let go. I'm going to kind of surrender to the experience. And every time I surrendered to the experience, instead of trying to fight it, um, believe me, I tried (laughs) to fight it Mm -hmm. each time. Um, every time I let go and just surrendered, which was so, you know, heartbreaking in the moment, the next thing that would happen was we'd get these incredible gifts or unexpected, um, moments of like, you know, I ended up getting this crazy contract out of nowhere that was like a couple thousand dollars that we needed. And it turned out I didn't even need to work for them. It was just the weirdest, most bizarre stuff. They were like, Hey, you want to work for us? I was like, yeah, sure. For a month, here's $2,000. Um, and then they never, they never actually called on me. And I, and I was like, are you, you still want to pay? They're like, yeah, yeah. Sorry. We just, the scope of the project changed, blah, blah, blah. So it was like these really strange things happened. And I thought, huh, that's kind of weird. So it was almost a spirit. It was very much a spiritual journey of trusting and uh, learning more about myself in the process and what I'm capable of, what my relationship is capable of and, and what was really important. So, so those five years were just, uh, here's how, what, a quote that I love, which is may everything that isn't you fall away. Yes. And that's what happened. Everything that was not me fell away and it was raw and it was, and it was difficult, but it was, it was just like a, this rebirth and a lot of not knowing and living in the, I don't know. And I've learned that living in, I don't know, can be actually pretty, pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. so I woke up three years ago from that, those five years of change. And I, a girlfriend just mentioned to me, it was literally in a, in a moment going, you know, well, what do I do now? And it wasn't, I wasn't panicked. I was like, all right, baby number two is coming. I already have a two-year-old, so um, I'm open. And she out of nowhere blurted, you know that thing you used to love to you know, talk about and, and do when we were like 15 years ago, she was talking about coaching. And I looked at her like she had three heads and I was like, what? 
are you talking about? Like, I'm talking about real life. (laughs) I was sort of, and she's like, well, well, you just look into it. And I said, I don't even know what that is really. I just, it was a show that I used to watch called starting over. She's like, well, you just find out like if it's a real thing and if you can do it. And I, and I kind of went, okay. And as soon as I said, okay, that was when everything changed. I just started telling people, um, I told my husband right away. I said, and here's the funny thing. I was so kind of in this funny headspace that I thought if I admit to my husband that I want to do this coaching thing, he's going to think I'm full of myself, uh, which is not yes. weird. No, all, it's not like, weird. I get that. Like I bragging, that. like, bra- oh, Carmilla, is, my girlfriend is Carmilla. She says, Carmilla said this thing. So I sort of sheepishly told him, I said, you know, and I'm sort of fiddling with something, uh, sort of standing at the counter in the kitchen. I'm like, Carmilla kind of said this thing, you know, and what do you think? Is that kind of crazy? And he dropped whatever he was doing. He's like, Oh, are you kidding? I just met a life coach the other day and she's amazing. And you need to talk to her. And my husband, who is like this kind of awesome, edgy Australian, he's not a really like gushy, mushy person. So he turned all kind of joyful and like, Oh, like, Oh, and I was looking at him and we had this interesting role reversal. So if you go back to the story about me being in the bathtub and rocking back and forth, it was like, he was me again. And I was like, what this cynical kind of, (laughs) um, it's never going to work sort of person. And he's like, Oh, you got to talk to her. And he's like, will you? And I had these interesting questions being posed to me where I thought here it is. I could say yes or no. And, and I said, oh, yes, like, you know, kind of apprehensive, but damn it, yes, fine. And so my life started to kind of unfold in this new way by just paying attention and and just listening and being like, well, what would happen if I said yes? You know, there's no harm in saying yes. And I just started meeting these people that drew me into this world that was exactly where I was supposed to be. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And so tell tell people, like, who who do you help? now? Like what kind of work do you do? Well, you know, I, I stumbled on this concept of daring to suck very serendipitously. I was, um, I was trying to make my coaching look really like Oprah or Tony Robbins or something very, you know, (laughs) commercial. And I, and my coach called me up. She's like, Carrie Ann, stop it. She says, you're just trying so hard. And she said, I, I dare you to suck. And it hit me right between the, you know, I don't know, the shoulder blades or something. It hit me right in my core. And she said, you're trying to make it look too good. I dare you to get messy. Maybe your messy is exactly what your client needs, which is so ironic. But what I'm about to share with you that's going on with me now. But I was like, wow, that's cool. I got what she understood. I understood what she meant in the training. But I took it into my life. And I was like, what would it be like if I dared myself to do things and not care so much about how it goes. That's really what mm. it was. So I spent a year writing about it and daring myself to do these things and sharing it on my blog. And people were kind of just loving it. And they're like, wow, this is awesome. And you're inspiring me to go do this or do that. And I didn't realize the impact it was going to have on other people, but I was noticing the impact it was having on my life, which was, I was becoming much more alive. My life was more alive. I was more connected. So when I woke up after all that change, uh, the things that I noticed in the beginning was I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. I was kind of, now I call it post-dramatic growth. You know, I was experiencing, <laughs> so there's a real thing out there called post-traumatic growth. Um, and, and when I heard about it, I was like, yeah, but it's not always traumatic. 
it, it's dramatic, you know, like there are people going through things, marriage, ch- uh, childbirth, new jobs, um, maybe even thrust in, into success or devastating losses. And it's dramatic. And you come out the other side and the world is just different. You just, you just, you're wondering who you are now. Like, who am I now because of that? This is who I help. I help people that are like, I've just been through some stuff and I don't know, like what, how do like wanting to learn from it, wanting to connect the dots, wanting to heal, wanting to reconcile. They feel like there's something or even just find out who they are now and what's possible from this new place. Almost like that, everything that isn't them has fallen away. And they're like, well, what is here now? Right? Mm-hmm. So these are the people that I really want to work with because they've, they know stuff. They just don't know what they know yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so, no, it's so good. And uh, I'm, I'm just curious, like, what's one of the things that you did that you, that you dared yourself to do? Like that you, what was one of the ones that really stood out for you as kind of being transformational or that you learned a lot from? Okay. So, um, there were lots of things and they were small things. Uh, one of them was, okay, so here's what the, the formula is this one, you pay attention what's going on in your life? What is hooking your interest? What is, what do you like to do? Um, when you start opening up and you sort of kind of consciously say, okay, I'm going to start paying attention. And certain things started to cross my path. Like my, my cousin contacted me and said, um, you know, I'm taking this, I'm noticing what you're doing. And I think it's really interesting. And I, there's a speaking course, this advanced speaking course happening in the spring and I can, you know, I can get sort of a buddy ticket for half price or something. Do you want to come? And it was for like seasoned people that know what they're doing. I mean, <laughs> people that have their shit together as we say. And I just said, yes. Okay. And I was laughing. I'm like, you realize that I have no idea what I'm doing. She's like, I know, but you do, you just don't know you do. And then she seemed very confident. And so I ended up going to this this speaking conference and thrusting myself amongst seasoned speakers. And you know what? I did pretty good, uh, but I never would have. <laughs> I, I think I was more proud of the fact that I just showed up. Yes. Dared. So that's what daring to suck is. It's, you know, people get really antsy when I talk about, you know, what would it be like to not be attached to the outcome? Mm-hmm. That I'll was all you. Man. Yeah. Right. So go ahead. No, I was going to say like, that was one of the things when, um, when we, so, so just so everybody knows, I did a workshop with Carrie Ann to create a vision board, which sounds so fucking woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> and we can go back to that because, yes. um, I really believe in that now. And I used to like totally make fun of that shit, but anyways, <laughs> which I know you're like, I can't stand it. You're like, Oh my God, I'm such a hypocrite. I'm uh, like, ah, <laughs> actually I'm so woo woo. Um, anyways, but yeah, that was one of the things that you said, you were just like, you were just like, what? what if you just detach yourself from the outcome? And my mind blew up. I was like, what? What do you mean? What if I detach myself from the outcome? Like I, you know, it just, it, it was, it's a, such a powerful, um, statement that I use anytime I feel self-doubt or hesitation. It's like, what if the outcome just doesn't matter? 
So sorry, continue on with where you were going. <laughs> I want to know what when I when I when I first heard that I blurted. Um, I must have been such a funny client because I, I hired a coach when I decided to do coaching because I wanted to know what it was all about, and this concept came into one of our sessions and. It was like, what would it be like if you weren't attached to the outcome? And I was like, well, what the hell is the point then? You know, I was actually pretty pissed and I was defiant. And he sort of laughed at me, said, I'm going to leave you with that. And I want you to visit it every day. You know, what would it be like? Just what, just try it on like a coat. You know, what would it be like if you tried on this one, not so attached to the outcome? And here's what people hear is don't care about the outcome. And that's not what I'm saying. No, I'm saying don't like, you can feel the fingernails gripping on it. It's gotta be, I've gotta be number one, or I've got to hit this goal, or I've got to, I've got, it's got to look exactly like, you know, this thing. And what happens is we, we focus on the, it's like working from the outside in instead of working from the inside out. So I wanted to help people find a way to getting into action, to getting into movement and to bringing more aliveness into their life by focusing on their flippant intention. Like what if you put all of your success in the fact that you say yes, like, or, or said, um, okay, and showed up, even if it didn't go exactly the way you hoped, but be really proud and amazed and acknowledge what you did, like that you dared yourself to do that thing. And you learn. So it's, it's not so much trial and error. See, that's like an old way. Now it's trial and learning. It's like, what did I learn? Don't waste it. Don't waste the experience. Um, what did you learn? What worked? What didn't? But people, we get so caught up in making it personal, like that the learning is like, well, it's a reflection of, of my value or a reflection of who I am. And, and it's just not the case. And I, I, that's something I really want for people to see is, you know, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think for like so much of that for me was just like, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to be fine if, if people don't like this or if people don't like me or if this doesn't go well, you know, and just, and just like reminding myself of that. And I think that that, I mean, that can like ripple through, every single aspect of your life, you know, whether it's getting dressed in the morning to <laughs> deciding to be a speaker at an event or you know, like whatever, you know, it just, it honestly, I feel like it ripples through everything. Yeah. Like, um, we were at, I was at an event with a, a girlfriend and I had my, my new son. So my second son, um, attached to me in the erg in like a baby ergo carrier and we were at this sort of wellness event and ellen's dj i forget his name um but he was so cool and he was doing this it was such a random thing at pacific coliseum or something and he was doing this they called it blind karaoke and he's like all right we need some volunteers and i just threw my hand up (laughs) just for shits and giggles and I got a baby strapped to me and, and I don't even know what it is. I just, I heard karaoke. I'm like, that's fun. That one might be fun. And, and, and I'm not the best singer, but I've got spirit. <laughs> so, <laughs> spirit fingers. <laughs> jazz hands. And so I, I threw my hand up and, and when they saw the baby, they were like, you get up here. <laughs> so I get on stage in front of a few hundred people And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I really had no idea. I just heard someone mumble karaoke. Oh, it's blind karaoke. What does that mean? You know, what does that mean? Well, we're going to, we're going to pick the song and you have to figure it out. (laughs) And I'm like, what? 
I don't pick the song, so I have no idea. So, um, so anyways, these two other women did it with me and, and I, it was my turn and it was, you know, I don't know what, I think they took, they, they gave me an easy one. I think it's cause I had the baby. I don't know. And I, so I had Bo, my son strapped me and they gave me, um, like Love Shack by the B-52. Oh, yeah. And I worked it with a baby on me. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was dancing around. It was just so bizarre. So that was more, uh, more of a fun moment where I dared myself to do something, but I was invigorated and the crowd went crazy because they could see, you know, my little six month old and it was, it was a lot of fun. So that to me is the intention behind daring to suck is like, just the world doesn't need it. There's a great quote out there that says, you know, quit, quit kind of trying to figure out what the world, oh, what is it? It's like figuring out what the world needs. It's like, just figure out what makes you come alive and go do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And you follow your aliveness. Anything that just even sparks makes your eyebrow go up like, Ooh, you know, even if it doesn't make any sense, I'm like, pay attention to that. Write it down. Ooh, I was intrigued by that. Or, Ooh, that kind of does some, does something for me. You don't have to go out and do it, but make a note, pay attention. And, um, and yeah, and, and there were times where I applied for things like I, when I decided the speaking course, I applied for a Ted talk. And I didn't get it. And it was, you know, I wasn't afraid to tell people either. You know, I think we're all, we all want to kind of keep our cards close to our chests. Cause what if people know what I'm doing? And I'm a fraud. <laughs> what if people know what I'm doing and it doesn't work out? Oh, it'll feel so horrible. And I thought F that, like, I don't know. I, I don't think that helps people. I think it helps people to see when people try things and it doesn't work out. And the ironic part about that one was in behind the Ted talk, I had, I had sent a message out to a local organizer, conscious divas who does these lovely events for women to connect. And I said, you know, I, I would like to speak at your event. And I got a no thank you as well. <laughs> and, and guess what? Six months later, I was just at, at ironically Carmela's house Carmela makes a lot of hot, you know features in my life and I got a text out of nowhere from the organizer saying you know you applied six months ago and um and we didn't pick you but we would like to you know we want to know if you'll do the next one and so what I was aware of is that daring to suck is also about planting seeds you know when you find that interest and you start making those little even just talking to people about it you know I'm kind of interested in this but I'm not quite sure what that's all about and you even just started having conversations those are seeds mm-hmm. those are seeds you're planting and you have no idea when it's going to come back and say hey are you ready <laughs> are you ready to to harvest that seed that you planted so I've had lots of things like that happen and it's, it's kind of, that's where life got magical. And you talked about going woo woo. I was like, Oh crap. You know, like I joke with my yogi friends about namaste that I can't say it without saying mother fucker afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> like, we husband. should do yoga together. <laughs> yeah. And you have to sing it, right? <laughs> and I love them and I love the practice. Um, but there's something in me that just goes, uh, you know, uh, around Too cool for school. <laughs> I don't know. And, and it's funny because I could, I, you know, when people work with me, they're like, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of unseen and, uh, unexplainable when people start leaning into figuring this stuff out. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, for, for me so much, what, like the, I think my, one of my first kind of big experiences with, the whole world of woo is, um, 
when I created my first vision board, I had to do it as this like assignment um, when I was going to school for nutrition. And I was like, this is a fucking joke. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to throw stuff on here. And then um, I, I found it in my closet a couple years later and everything on it had come true. And I was like, wow. And there were some big things on there that I had no how, like, I didn't know how this was going to happen, which was another thing that you really pushed me to do. Because when we were doing that workshop together, um, you know, you, like I had so much resistance kind of writing down my dreams because I was like, I had that inner filter that was saying like, Oh no, like you can't, that's too much. Like you're, you're pushing it by, by writing down that, you know, that, that you want that. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was, uh, it was, it was cool because the first time I did it, because my attitude was so much like, ah, this is just crap. I don't care. I actually did have some pretty big, cool things on there. One of them being living beside mountains and ocean that I had no (laughs) intention or not necessarily not no intention. I had the intention was obviously there. I had no action to actually make it happen. And all of it happened, which was so amazing. It's, this is where, um, yeah. And so I, yes, 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 yes. And I have had very similar experiences. So I, the irony is that workshop, that was my first time of doing an intentional vision board. So I was doing it very authentically alongside you under the, with the, with the intention of like, let's not just throw things on a board. Let's actually like, we'll put things on a board, but I want to infuse it with roots. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it about the thing that you want? What, what, is, what do you feel it's going to give you? And to connect more with those words and those, those feelings actually. Uh, and, and that helps, I think that helps us let go of the outcome because sometimes we're so focused on a specific outcome. We don't see the very gift arrive. It's like that old parable of like somebody asking God, they're like on a raft or something. They're like, God, come save me. And like three boats come or <laughs> and they're like, Nope, I'm waiting for God. And, uh, <laughs> and then he dies and it's like, he's like, where were you? He's like, are you kidding me? I sent you a boat and a raft and all these things. Um, so it's like keeping our eyes open for gifts in different looking packages. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's what really that whole, like, you know, the, it's about understanding what your real desires are to connect to those versus like the actual tangible things that you're going after. Well, and isn't it funny that like when you say part of me just threw up those pictures of the mountains and whatever, and that part of you, so this is where things do get woo for me, but I just know it. I, I've done this too long now, and a too long like being three years. But my whole life, I, I'm aware of these moments where it's like, man, it's like a part of me knew what was on the other side of that action or that whatever it was that had me show up. But my mind didn't know, but something in me knew. So, um, so it's like part of you was like, yeah, let's. Uh, these are pretty. <laughs> pictures of mountains and lakes but it really was uh, telling it's like almost like your intuition telling you what's about what's going to happen and it it knows before your mind does and it really annoys your mind our minds just want to know and categorize and control and and control (laughs) and articulate they just want to they just want to have their hand on it and it's and I love the mind for that Um, but it's like a tool that we can collaborate with to make room for both Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it's, um, you know, I tell this story about 
when I was in Australia, my husband and I went on this um, honeymoon that was amazing. And he had, I said, all I want to do, I'm going to Australia. There's like a bazillion things to do and many things to see. And he's like, what do you really want to do? And I said, I don't care about whatever happens, but I want one thing to happen. I want to, I want a horseback ride on the beach. And he's like, fine, we'll set that up. So we set it up and I was so excited by this. And, and I've always just been very drawn to horses and I've always felt connected to them, but I don't have horses. I wasn't a horseback rider. Um, but I, but intuitively when I was a kid, my mom was like, man, we went on a trip once and you hopped on this horse and you just, you just knew exactly what to do. And you were very confident. And so I wanted this experience. I hadn't really voiced it, but I'm I'm like galloping down this beach. And so we go on this tour and there is like no galloping. We, we meander, we're like meandering for God's sake. Yeah. (laughs) It was so, Oh, I even just telling the story, I just get so annoyed and I'm looking around at uh, 12 other people on our tour and I'm screaming in my head, like, really, really, we are on 17 miles of untouched sand. I'm looking ahead of me and I cannot even see the end of the beach and there's nobody on it. And I am on one of the most magnificent creatures on this earth and you are telling me And here's the metaphor. It's like you're giving me the keys to a Ferrari and making me test drive it through a school zone. (laughs) And in my throat, I'm feeling this, this, you know, mule inside of me kicking me going, say something, say something. And I'm like, why do I always have to be the one, you know, that has to say, why do I always have to be the one that stirs the pot? So, because no one else was saying anything and I just couldn't believe it. And I, and so I, I sort of went up to the lady and I said, you know, do you, could I possibly, and I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to get my way. I'm like, oh, please maybe take Stella. That was the name of my horse for a run. And the woman was like, you know, I could see it in her face, liability and yeah. you're gonna break your neck and sue me. And I said, I just, uh, I would just love to take her for a run. And she says, you know, it's funny. She says any other horse, I'd probably say no, but you pick Stella. And she's a runner. She's been dying to, to get out all day. And so I, I heard kind of a half yes. And she said, sort of squeezed her face up. She's like, okay, but, and as soon as I heard the okay, I was like, all right, see you later. And like, just kind of out. took off. And I'm pretty sure she's like, don't go too far. And she was, you know, screaming at me. And I'm like, I can't hear you. And, um, and we took off. And I didn't know. I just, I just knew that I was meant to have this experience. And I, we galloped. We were just, it was thundering down this beach and it was the the full experience the wind the sand the sand the sea feeling her underneath me was like she was so powerful we were so powerful we were like one magnificent creature flying and my arms felt like they were you know flying beside me even though I know I was hanging on for dear life because she was flying down the beach yeah but but it was an incredibly expansive experience. Like I felt so free. I felt so big. Like I had gone out of my body. I was so big. And I just, I just couldn't believe like what a gift that was. And, and it was on the other side of me speaking up, just asking a simple question. She, she could have said no. And the truth is I totally, I think I would have done it anyway. and been like, screw it. I'm going to go to jail. Like I'll go to Australian jail for this. I, like that's, that's how powerful it was. But luckily she said yes. 
And I had this experience and I went way too far. And she was, she was a little nervous when I got back. She was a little frazzled, but I was like, you know, thank you so much. And, and I was high for days. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was after that experience that I realized, you know, me and Stella, we were the fullest, truest expression of ourselves. And I've never had that before. And I've had, I've, I love my kids childbirth. Yeah. It's something, but it's like, it wasn't that. And that to me was a very, that was the experience that sort of launched my awareness when I entered back into my life. And I was like, this life is just too small. You know, this, this doesn't fit me. It can't fit me now that I know that I'm supposed to kind of be, have more of these experiences. So that's what I think we all deserve is to be the fullest, truest expression of ourselves. And that looks different for everybody. You know, this doesn't mean I'm trying to convert introverts into extroverts. Um, it's like whatever that is for you to feel fully connected and fully expressive with permission to just be who we are no matter what. Mm, I love that. And like, well, I think so many people feel like they don't deserve it. How do you help people overcome this feeling that they don't deserve that? I'm so glad you asked that question because so as much as daring to suck is such a lovely accessible way to get into this work and it helps people pay attention and speak up and, and admit their shit because admission is telling the truth. Admit admission is like, um, yeah, just kind of blurting what's inside of us that we won't really want to share with other people. And, and from that, we, we find our way, you know, I can help them sort of find their way. But when people start saying, bringing up these feelings of unworthiness, mm-hmm. I, I now am feeling way more comfortable at bringing the deeper emotional piece into my work. So I am probably classified as a highly sensitive person. We see these terms coming out an HSP, um, <laughs> you know, always like, Oh, you're so emotional, Carrie Ann. And I, that wounded me as a child. Oh God, I'm too emotional. I'm broken. I'm wrong. And now I, I, I'm like an emotion celebrator. So people are always apologizing about being emotional and, and having, you know, these moments. And I'm like, when we are emotional, things are happening. Like people don't see them the way I see them. They are this gateway into freedom and it's very counterintuitive. So what happens when people start saying, you know, I feel this sense of like, not for me, I facilitate conversations. (laughs) So here's what I do. What I'm really getting into now is what I call the deep dive, which is going into these places within ourselves and facilitating a conversation of you with you. So there's parts of ourselves that show up when we want, when, when we're in our life, you know, the part that wants the part that feels unworthy, the, the part that, Oh gosh, loves to dance. I don't know. It's like, there's all these parts. And sometimes it feels like they're all in conflict. And, and my version came up during my miscarriage. So my miscarriage opened up this incredible experience where I felt like I had these three parts that were in conflict. One of them I called the bully. One of them I called the victim. And one felt like this observer that felt like tits on a bull. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do. I've got this one part of me that is just yelling at the victim that's saying, get off the floor, you know? 
um, you didn't even, you know, connect with the baby. It was just so cruel. It was just like, it was this weird negative energy that was trying to get her off the floor by saying, come on, you'll be pregnant again soon. You'll try again. Other people go through this too. Who do you think you are? You know, all of that energy. And I was like that, I can't believe that's inside me. You know, like I just, you almost feel like you're turning on yourself and it's who wants to go there. And, um, and then, but then do I side with the victim who's so in pain and she just wanted to cry. She just wanted permission to feel. And I intuitively went into this conversation within myself and essentially passed the microphone to each of them and promised them that I would let them talk which was very weird. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. What if I, you know, because if I side with the bully, I'm going to harden my heart and I'm going to, it's going to change me. Like if I listen to that, it's going to change me. It's going to make me this really hardened cut off person. But if I side with the victim, I'm going to get sucked into the abyss of grief and I'm going to lose myself in the emotions and they really will kill me. (laughs) So the observer just wanted the best for both of them. So I really sensed that love for both of like, gosh, I wish I knew what to do. So the only thing I knew to do is to let each one express themselves. And what I learned was the bully wasn't really a bully. The closer I got to whether it was, whether it's an undeservedness or an unworthiness or this bully or what, you know, the, the undesirables, what I've learned is that they wear this awful mask that they, they don't really want to wear, but it's almost like language they picked up a long time ago and, and are these really shitty strategies that they innocently um, misunderstood to be the right way to go. Yes. <laughs> so, so I hung out with each one and I learned that my bully was really a representation of, of my strength. And it's like, it was saying to me, but I know what you're capable of. And I thought, oh my God, it's not a bully. It's my potential. And it's just scared that I'm going to lose that part of me. It's, it was trying to protect everything that it loved about me, which was my strength, my confidence, my abilities to be happy, uh, my joy. It represented all those things. And it was um, misguided in its approach to, it didn't know how, have you ever been with somebody that just doesn't like to be with you when you're crying and they're trying to fix it? (laughs) It was like the masculine part of me that was like, come on, just, uh, Hey, look at this and let's just get busy. Right. We all have that part. Like, let's just do through our feelings. And, um, and part of me was like, no, there's gotta be another way. So I facilitated this conversation and I, I just let them all talk. And then I saw the victim and I let her talk and she was like, really, you're going to let me talk? Like no one lets me talk. They think I'm a real nuisance. Like they really think I'm this awkward party guest that just likes to cry in the corner. And, um, and she was like such an amazing warrior for my emotions. She was the one that wanted to say it mattered this warrants emotion. It deserves it. And she was so validating in the experience and she just wanted time to feel. Mm -hmm. And so by just facilitating that conversation, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to fix anything. I just let them talk. And I discovered what was really underneath each of them, which was they all loved me incredibly in their own somewhat misguided ways. And I was able to almost like create a new agreement or a new commitment. They almost, it was almost like when they understood each other, everything just went quiet in the best way. And it was like we were healed and it, and it was very calm and peaceful. And 
yeah, not fixed, but just there was something that was healed and reconciled and it was beautiful. And, and I've held on to that and now I'm, I'm really drawing from it and, and working with other people to help, to help. Oh God, you know, the, the whole thing about the inner critic, you hear about all the banter about fire, fire your inner critic or like, it's like pitchforks and flames. Let's go get the baddie in us or let's step over it. Yeah. Like, but it really is geez. there to protect you. Right. Re- yeah. It, oh, people don't realize that, um, like what's really going on. Yeah. Like that. You know, and, and so I, I feel like this advocate for the inner critic, it's just like, just don't, because what we end up doing is victimizing ourselves even further because we're essentially saying a part of ourselves is wrong yes. and it's bad without even wanting to get curious about it. So I, I help people, I create a space where, um, where we do that. And, you know, I worked with somebody yesterday cause I'm, I'm really wanting to just get into this and, and research it specifically. And she said, oh, my God, I just can't believe her feedback was, I can't believe you did that. There was a lot of moments of, oh, my gosh, I just didn't know. And I just loved the tone of it. And I knew she got it because that's the that's the energy of it. It's like, oh, God, oh, my God. Oh, this whole time. Oh, geez. And it's and that's very personal for every everyone about what what's underneath, Mm -hmm. you know, the. Um, whether it's resistance or the, or the negativity or whatever it is. And when that understanding happens, it's just like the most beautiful reconciliation and reunion. And she said, you made a very, a seemingly deep and dark concept feel very nurturing and, and easy. And she said, joyful, like we were actually laughing, you know, like, of like in relief in, in spots together just watching it kind of come together. And that was just the best feedback I could ever get. Cause that's what I want people to get. Like, let's, um, that's really self-love is when you are willing to stop moving and actually be with some of these parts. Yes. And I think that, so, um, Tara Moore, who wrote the book playing big, like she talks about that, like the inner critic and how it's really just an expression of our safety mechanism. So it's really just trying to like that negative voice that you hear, whether that shows up as the victim or the bully or however it manifests in you is really just trying to protect you. And so it's about saying like, what are you trying to protect me from? You know, like what? And so in the women that I work with and just making this relevant to a lot of people listening here, you know, that, that voice that shows up that tells you that you're, you know, you're not good enough. You don't deserve this. You're gross. Like any of those things, it's about, instead of just saying like, okay, I need to just get rid of this voice. I shouldn't have this voice. It's about saying, what's this voice really trying to protect me from? Mm-hmm. Do you know in in uh, do you remember the movie Ghost where Whoopi oh, Goldberg? Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, Whoopi, I do. Where Whoopi Goldberg, you know, she all of a sudden realizes that she can connect with the dead, and um and they kind of sit in like they sit on her and they like all of a sudden her her muumu kind of raises up and it's like Whoo, all of a sudden she's channeling them. Yes, it's like that. Like I want because it's an interesting it's an interesting experience because you kind of go within and you get a real sense about what it's like for them. Like what it, what they've been through, uh, what their history is, how they were created. And, and I don't like to get so much into the story about how they got there. I really just want them to express what it's like for them. 
and to be understood. And because there's such an innocence to in behind it, it's almost like I call it the little kid in the bear suit (laughs) metaphor. It's like in behind every, you know, gnashing teeth and sharp claws, there is this little kid that is going to drastic measures trying to get our attention. And as adults, it tends to show up with in this like gnarly bear suit. So we are literally feeling like we're being chased by a bear, but inside it's like a mascot. It's like a mascot's costume. And there's like a four-year-old in there going, I just don't know how else to get your attention. Um, Will you sit and talk to me? And and so, yeah, and, and, and it's almost like retrieval, like going back and retrieving and connecting. So this, okay, so this is where I do kind of come out of the woo-woo because it does feel, in my own experience, having gone through this many, many times, um, that it is, it's almost like retrieving your wholeness or healing the parts that don't feel whole or not connected to the majority. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, it does to me, but maybe you want to put it into context. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. There've been times where I'm just all of a sudden so freaking emotional and I don't, and I don't know what it is. I'm trying to attach logic to it. And Uh that's where I get a little bit like, well, this doesn't make any sense. And, and then I realized, okay, well, if I were to just let go, detach from trying to figure out what it is and I'll just go into the emotion of it and just get a sense for what it's, I don't know what it's there, what it is or what it's, what it's feeling and go and sit with it. The image that comes to mind is, is almost holding the innocent face of a kid and, and really making sure they understood, like you're going back to get them. And, and you don't even know how they got there or why they're there or what they are, but you know how they feel and you know what they need. So, you know, one of the most powerful visualizations I, I did, because I was a bit of a strange bird when I was like 10, 11, 12, I wasn't racing home to watch cartoons. I was racing home to watch Oprah at four o'clock. Oh, so too. And Geraldo too. And Geraldo. Donahue was another one, but he was a bit boring, but, um, <laughs> But Gary Zukoff did this visualization and, and it was all about retrieving, going back to your child at home and visualizing your younger self and sitting with them. And essentially you have a conversation and you give that child everything it never got. Mm -hmm. And the end of that visualization, when you feel like that child is really understood and, and really almost like infused with what you're with the commitment that you have for it, almost like parenting yourself. Um, because let's face it, our parents did, did their best much as much as I'm doing my best with my kids, but there are always things that, that we didn't get or we needed and we couldn't articulate because we were kids. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like this process of going back and, and meeting their needs wherever they are. And I've had really interesting conversations with teenager versions of myself, uh, that are, that almost have attitude and they're like, Oh, now you want to come talk to me? You know, (laughs) it's like, Oh dear. (laughs) Yeah. And you're sitting with a shitty teenager. That's like almost going to act out and see if you really care enough. Like, do you really care enough to come and get me? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where it gets a bit weird. Honestly, I'll admit it. It's weird. It's very weird, but it's real. And, and I'll, I'll end them feeling like, wow, just different, like more, more me moving forward, knowing that there's no destination. It's like, there's a constant unfolding, I guess, 
in evolution, which can be a bit, a bit freaky. Yeah. And we're talking about like tapping into these kind of these, these parts of ourselves and these personalities. And I think that, you know, the, the busy mind, the chatter that's constantly going on, or like you constantly keeping yourself, you know, busy and occupied prevents you from really like tapping in and listening to those. Right. And so I think this kind of, um, it goes back to actually something you said before we even started recording this, which was just like being grounded in the present. And so, um, you know, is that like for someone who's kind of maybe listening to this and is like, whoa, <laughs> like, like, what wh- like, what, what are these women talking about? And like, I just can't stop thinking about my to-do list. Like, how do I even like have these conversations? You know, I think that like, uh, what, you know, what would be an obvious or like a very helpful practical sort of first step for people to like connect with that part of themselves to really like understand kind of what's going on and what's maybe preventing them from daring to suck or being the truest expression of themselves or even the first step which is paying attention it's the hardest it's the hardest one yeah right paying attention it's another it's an accessible way about uh, to talk about being present without feeling like you know we're getting caught up in spiritual um jargon but uh, so I can relate so I I can relate because when I first stopped and said okay I'm I'm kind of wanting to clean this up uh, and by clean it up, meaning make sense of what my current situation is, connect the dots, feel more connected to who I am and, and what's in my life and figure things out. Um, like begin again, feeling really grounded. Uh, one of the first things you have to do is pay attention. And essentially for me, it was like someone, my coach was sort of holding me by my shoulders and, and I'm like, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, <laughs> are, are we going to do something like dazzle me, uh, give me an assignment, you know, um, put me to work. And, and there was just this real presence of, no, we're just going to hang out here for a second. And this incredible amount of anxiety rose up in me. And I was, and the sensation I had was like, no, you don't understand. Like if we stand still, there is a, a tidal wave of shit I have never been with and I don't even know how to be with it. And those things were times I stepped over myself, times I said no when I meant yes, or times I said yes when I meant no. All of those minute betrayals of how I got to the place I got of not knowing anything, right? You know, just like feeling totally detached. And they weren't always big things. They were just like, oh God, I don't think I can reconcile all of that in one hit, you know, cause it, it really felt like it was chasing me. Uh, and he's like, it'll be fine. You know, it'll be fine. And I was panicking. Like you want me to just like be present or like be aware. Oh God. And as soon as I felt that sense of tidal wave, I thought it is going to kill us all. Like, you know, you don't understand. We need to get doing that. And, um, but it didn't kill me, uh, but it did, it did hit and it hit and it hit hard. And, And that first wave of awareness to me was probably one of the hardest because it's so foreign. It's very confusing. There's lots of hooks that make you feel like you are broken and that you're wrong and all those things. It just, it's a mess. It's a hot mess. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why facilitation is so, I just, I'm so, you know, honored to be able to do this work for other people now to have that someone in the foxhole with you when you're just like, Oh no, this is just too much Mm -hmm. (laughs) trust that you can handle it. Because what happens is you essentially have to let your heart break a little bit. 
Or a lot. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's, that's always fun to sign up for. Right? <laughs> it's like putting down the fight. Because the truth is we, we don't want to fight. We don't want to do all the time. We actually really want to experience our full life. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be, I want to, I want to notice my kids. I want to, I want to be able to be still with them and soak them in and drink that in or, or be outside and not be distracted by the beauty because I'm thinking about this other thing that I haven't been dealt with or been with, you know, like unresolved stuff because the unresolved stuff is, is, are the blockages that get in our way. Um, you know, there have been times where I've been so unmotivated or even numb, like just like there's just nothing. There's a kind of deadness there. I didn't realize that that was a symptom of unexpressed emotions. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you even go in when you don't, when you don't like, when you can't feel, when you don't feel like you can get there? So, um, so first step is, is pay attention. So to me, and this is where some of my clients are like, oh, journaling. Like, oh, I hate journaling. You yeah. know, they're so resistant to journaling. And I'm like, I get it. You know, I, I, I've just dabbled with journaling. Journaling saved my, actually journaling saved my life a lot of times because I, I noticed every time things got really bad, I would go and write. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was, you know, it was, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't told to write. I was like, I got to get rid of this. It's driving me crazy. So I got to put it somewhere. And and that was how I used it. It was emergency journaling. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it is interesting. There is something incredibly therapeutic and cathartic about writing it down. Yes. There, there was a post, um, and I can give you the link for it, that I saw, and it still sticks with me, and I'm trying to figure out how I want to bring it up to my audience and just share it. But it's, I don't know what the title is, but the, the bottom line was it was these two sisters that were essentially on their way to go dance on their grandfather's grave because he had abused them as children and he was dead. Wow. And right. It's like kind of intense, but it, so you're reading this and on the way they drive by a police station and the sis, one sister pulls in and they look at each other and they intuitively know what they're going to do. They're going to report it. They're going to finally report what happened. And they go in and they, and they sit down with this most amazing police officer and they're like, we're here to report a crime and they can't believe they're doing it, but they're doing it. And he's like, all right. And he he totally honors them. He brings them into this room and he says, and he says, all right, what, what happened? And he starts, pulls out his pen and he starts writing it down. And one of the sisters is, is crying and she calls another cousin or another sister and tells her, she's, Oh my God, we're in this police station. And this police officer is like here. And we're like, we're reporting the crime and they're having this major moment. And all she keeps saying is he's writing it down. He's writing it down. And, and in that moment, it was like, I realized that the paper, when we journal, the paper can be the coach. We don't need to go hire a, you know, $500 an hour coach. The paper becomes the coach and the witness. Mm-hmm. And just the act, here's what I now know, just the act of writing it down tells, sends a message to all of the fragmented parts in you that says, and they're doing the same thing. <gasps> Holy shit. She's writing it down. She's writing it down and they're getting a voice mm-hmm. and there's nothing to be fixed. It's just about full expression. 
it's about listening and, and, and admitting and being courageous to admit the thing that you just don't even want to admit. Because the truth is, once you knock the head off of an irrational thought, it just becomes an irrational thought. Yeah. Because the truth is right underneath it. But sometimes we only hang out in the irrational thought and we need to get it down. Get the irrational thought down and then let what, what's underneath it. And this is where we start becoming more aware of, wow, there's like this flood. There's like this, all of a sudden emotions and feelings morph and they change, they evolve. And the noisy voice in the beginning, all of a sudden gets a little calmer and more rational and more want, willing to converse. <laughs> Much like me facilitating the conversations, they start out like, angry or more negative, the closer you get, the more committed you are to the process and being like, no, I'm here. I'm not going to change your mind. I'm just going to let you talk. It's like, really? Like, you're really going to let me, you're usually trying to shut me up because I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not really good enough to, you know, you don't, you just deny me. And so even by journaling and blurting, so my journal looks crazy. It's not like eloquent. There's nothing eloquent about it. It's blurty. It's, um, it's messy. And it, but it's for me. It's not for anybody else. And I type a lot of myself because a lot of my thoughts come so quickly. I, my fingers can keep up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things I really resisted myself too. Cause I was just like, Oh, well, you don't have to work. do it every day. But no, just, but it's just when stuff comes up, it's so good. So yeah. good. You intuitively know, I think I might need to just explore this. That's all it is. Uh-huh. So I'm going to start with the crazy, irrational thought that I just had. <laughs> like, what is that? Curiosity replaces judgment, where you're more like, right. oh, I wonder what that is all about. Or, wow, oh my God, I totally have this crazy thought. Isn't that interesting? As opposed to, boy, I'm wrong. It just doesn't. You know, there's no sense in turning on ourselves in this process when we just really want to, those parts, they're not as scary as they originally sound. Oh, that's so good. Mm. So we have come to like an hour here, which is crazy because I feel like we've gone forever. <laughs> so we have to wrap it up. But the last question that I ask all my guests is what is the most fearless thing you have done? You know, oh God, that's a great question. I feel like you talked about so many of them. So, <laughs> well, you know, bottom line, I think the most fearless thing I have done. Here's the thing: when I when I do things, and oh God, how do I explain this? To me, it's those first two steps: paying attention to whatever my gut or my voice is—that uh, mule that kind of kicks inside you. Mm-hmm. So there, that's one thing, uh, and maybe it is the fear, but it's like the second part is, is the speaking up. So there's three things that I apply, whether it's in daring to suck or in this deep dive aspect, which is, is to tune in. That to me is a fearless act. Tune in, dare to tune in and then speak it, like speak it or express it or write it, uh, so, and that doesn't have to be a public thing. It's a, it, that is the courageous work is to speak it for you. This isn't for anybody else. None of it's for anybody else. And, and then what happens naturally is connection is awareness is like insight, aha moments. And bottom line, the third thing is what happens is you come alive. You, you, you just, you expand because you're willing to do those first two things. Amazing. So good. 
thank you so much for, I don't know, letting me talk about this stuff because I think that's, this is what I want. I want, this is what I'm here to do. I want to, I want this message to get out. Well, you're more. so good at it. And I thank you so much for all your time. And I know we could just go like on and on and on. <laughs> you're so awesome to talk to. You. And, uh, where can people find more of you? Well, uh, on my website, which is um, daringtosuck.ca or carrieannelivingston.com. They're both the same. Or Facebook. I've got a Facebook page under Daring to Suck. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of at this grassroots place of wanting to work one-on-one with people, more for my own learning right now to really just get, hunker down in some of this stuff to eventually branch out and try and create ways to get this stuff out in a more broad platform, whether it's workbooks or workshops or speaking or uh, maybe even like, I don't know if someone's talked to me about it, like a TV channel, you know, on my website where I can talk about things and share stuff. So there's lots to come. So head on over and, and, um, I do connect a lot with my, um, my email list. I'm going to begin doing more of that and sharing some of this stuff. So that's one way. Well, you were really inspiring to me. And, um, like I knew as soon as I met you, I was just like, this, this chick's awesome. And I need to spend more time with her. (laughs) And I just love your voice. I love what you're doing. I love your message and you're making this journey, uh, especially within our body. Man, there's a whole other body aspect that, that I'm learning about too, about the relationship with our bodies, but Mm -hmm. the voice you're giving it and the accessibility, you know, making it so accessible and, um, and attainable and just so real. And that's what we need. We need more realness to connect us. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. So thank you again so much. And we'll definitely have to have you back on in the future. I love that. Cool. Well, rock on. (laughs) Thank you. Carrie-Anne is awesome. I love chatting with her. You can find the links mentioned at summerinandend.com forward slash 137. And I'll be back with another classic episode in a couple weeks. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, Go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on.